This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. I was pointed to a blog post on an official, you know, not someone doing it in their basement, although those are fine, but on an official business, like a reputable business site, Expedia.ca. So it's an it's a it's a well known, well regarded professional travel website. It was actually from Scott Thompson today that this came to my attention. So if you heard the Scott Thompson show with Rick, that's great. If you didn't, then, well, this will be new to you. But the the Expedia.ca, their official place, the, the headline is the 34 most breathtaking places in North America. Think about that for a second. The 34 most breathtaking places in North America. Think about some of the places that exist in North America. When you think of breathtaking places, what was the what would be the first thing that would come to mind in North America? I don't know if it's because it's the most breath, most breathtaking, but I'll tell you one of the first things that comes to mind is the Grand Canyon. And then the Rocky Mountains in Vancouver and Banff National Park and Hawaii, a lot of places in Hawaii and Prince Edward Island, Bay of Fundy, and the old city of Quebec looking up on the hotel and standing on Toronto Island looking at the downtown in the evening time with all the lights that are lit up. And those are mostly just in Canada. Think of the Hollywood sign in California. Think of New York in Times Square. On and on on. Yellowstone Park. Um... There's so many. There are a million places that I could think of in North America that would qualify as breathtaking. So I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be a really interesting list. I can't wait to see what the travel experts at Expedia.ca are going to come up with as the 34 most, most breath... I can't say those two words together. Most breathtaking. Say it a five, five or six times in a row. You'll see how hard it is to say those two words with the lisp and without it. The 34 most breathtaking places in North America. What was going to be on that list? What would be at the top? Because, boy, as I say, there's an awful lot that you could possibly come up with. So I start looking through it. Number one, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. I apologize if I'm not, but Haida Gwaii, which is in British Columbia. It's a remote sort of rocky beach and it's it's very beautiful it's got a big wall of rock on one side and the water on the other side is uh, absolutely it's i don't know if it's the most breathtaking certainly very eye-opening very eye-catching number two coronach saskatchewan hmm never even heard of it to be honest with you maybe you have uh, so I can't really speak to it very much because I don't really know. I'm assuming it's flat. Maybe it looks like a rustic old prairie town. I'm not sure. I don't know. But anyway, okay. That's number two. Number three. This is one I mentioned a moment ago. Banff, Lake Louise, Alberta. If you've ever seen pictures in Banff and Lake Louise, you understand that this, I imagine, would be as close to what the Garden of Eden might have looked like as anywhere on the planet. This is one of the beautiful, beautiful, picturesque postcard, poster images. It is gorgeous there. Number three, of course, that, that sure, that makes sense a lot. Number four, Penticton, British Columbia. We haven't even gotten south of the border yet, which I find kind of weird, but anyway. Penticton, British Columbia. Okay. All right. It's, uh, again, uh, I, I, you know, I've been to B.C., 
Penticton particularly doesn't really stand out in my mind, but okay. Number five, Rocky Harbor, Newfoundland and Labrador. It is a very picturesque, well, pretty much as it's described, Rocky Harbor. It's a harbor and there's rocks jutting out of the water and there's green on the hills and it's and mountainous. And yeah, again, very lovely. Number six, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Of the most picturesque places in all of North America, you have your choice of anywhere you want to go in North America. Number six is Hamilton, Ontario. Now, I am a booster of this city. I love this city. I've chosen to live in this city. I've chosen to raise my family in this city. This is my home by choice. I don't want to be living anywhere else. This is where I want to live. But come on, even we have to have a little bit of, of self-awareness here. I don't think there is a person alive who's going to say the sixth most picturesque place in all of North America is Hamilton, Ontario. That, I, I would have said if Hamilton showed up, it would have been in the second hundred. There's a lot of places in North America that look really nice. Luke, would you have picked, if you were picking all of North America, you could pick anywhere in North America that the sixth most picturesque place would be this city? Probably not, but that's not to say I wouldn't put it on the list. I didn't say it wouldn't be on the list. I can see why they put it on the list. Can you, at number six? Uh, Again, no, but it's, when we're talking about natural... I don't want to say wonders, but natural features. Uh, the escarpment is quite unlike anything else that that you'll find in terms of the fact that it's a city built both on it and below it. Um, what's interesting is uh, that they don't actually even mention the escarpment. <laughs> so you have um, uh, Gage Park Tropical Greenhouse. is one of the prettiest sites in town. Uh, the Gage Park Rose Garden is a winner with over a dozen hybrid tea varieties. You can go to Bayfront Park Pier 4, which winds around Hamilton Harbor, and you can see ducks creating gentle wakes in the water there. W- Again, not to be belittling our town. That's not what this is. I'm just, I'm looking at this going, well, let's be a little realistic. If there was going to be a place that has something to do with the escarpment in some way or the Niagara topography, is Niagara Falls not more breathtaking than the Ni- than the Hamilton Mountain? I mean, come on, let's be honest here. Who has ever come to visit you from anywhere else in the world? And when you've said, hey, tell you what, we've got a free day today to do some traveling. We can either take you to Niagara Falls or we can go stand at the bottom of the Hamilton Escarpment and look up at the mountain. Tell me how many of your guests have ever said, yeah, let's do option B. I want to look at Hamilton's Escarpment. Nobody says, Revelstoke, British Columbia is number seven, Alma, New Brunswick, Churchill, Manitoba, Parkdale, Oregon. We finally went across the border. Hilo or Hilo, Hawaii. This place is stunning. Durango, Colorado. Niagara Falls comes in at number 16. Mexico City comes in at 17. Okay. Whitehorse up in the Yukon with the Northern Lights. (laughs) comes in at number 18. We are 12 spots ahead of the place where you can see the northern lights most, most perfectly. I mean, I suppose I should be very proud of this. Uh, I'm not... Uh, uh, Tofino, British Columbia, 20. Sault Ste. Marie, 21. 
Sault Ste. Marie is ahead of old Montreal. See, I almost start to wonder if this list was actually upside down, that they input it wrong or something. Uh, how about, uh, jo- okay, Georgian Bay, Ontario, yes. Um, uh, Peterborough, Ontario, number 27. Peter- oh, Luke, have you ever seen in, and I don't know how to describe this, um, in Arizona, in the desert, into the rock formations, there are carved these like paths almost that go through it and they're all lined. It looks like someone painted them on horizontal lines. They look, they're just, they're all sloping curves. It's the, one of the most beautiful natural formations in the world. We are 23 spots ahead of that. If you actually, if you've ever seen, I hate to bring this movie up because it's so disturbing. What was that movie? About the guy who was hiking. 127 hours. 127 hours where he had to cut his own hand off with his knife. That That's kind of what you're talking about, not the hand part. But um, Old Havana, Cuba is number 31. Uh, Tulum, Mexico, one of the most beautiful ruins right on the ocean. The water is aquamarine. The palm trees, that's number 33. We're number six. I mean, I... As much as I'm sort of stunned by this, and I, I, I really wonder if the poor person who wrote this had suffered a blow to the head at some point. <laughs> at some point, I mean, our travel department should be all over this, shouldn't it? The city's tourism and travel department should be having commercials around North America. We are number six. We are ahead of any feature. The Grand Canyon didn't even make the list. Not even on the list. Alaska, not even on the list. Anywhere in Florida, the Everglades, not on the list. But Hamilton, Ontario, we are number six. We are the sixth most most breathtaking place in all of North America. That should be an ad campaign. I don't know who's going to buy it, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just being cynical. Am I being too harsh on our town? I'm not trying to be. I love this place. But I'm also somewhat realistic and I'm looking going, how in the, how did we do this? What, how did we end up as number six as the, as the most breathtaking place? Someone said, well, maybe they were down by the steel mills and they actually literally meant breathtaking as if you, as in you couldn't breathe. I said, no, no, that's mean. That's not what, that's not what they meant. This is a, this is a very positive thing. This is a very nice thing. I'm just a little Maybe, maybe it's just that we're so used to being, having to be self-deprecating that when we see something really good, we're kind of stunned by it. I don't know. No, Frank sends an email. He says, uh, not Victoria, BC. Nope. Nope. Frank, Victoria, BC has nothing on Hamilton as far as being breathtaking. I mean, I know you've got the ocean and I know you've got the mountains and I know you've got all that stuff. Nothing, nothing like Hamilton. It's an odd one. I'm telling you. I, lo- I mean, sure. Great. It's good. Get an ad campaign going, but um, not really sure I'm, uh, I'm ready to buy it yet. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. I have been watching, as you have, I am sure, the Stanley Cup playoffs this spring. They've been fantastic, by and large. Lots of overtimes, lots of close games, a few blowouts, but even the blowouts, like last night with the Leafs, ends up being a reasonably reasonably compelling game. There have been very few terrible, terrible games in these playoffs, and that's what you want. Plus, there were five Canadian teams. There's four now that Calgary's out. But there's been a lot to really, really like about the way the playoffs have been going so far. Will they continue? I don't know. 
But there is only one thing, there is only one part of what's going on with the Stanley Cup playoffs this year that I got to tell you is making me crazy and is making, is, is driving down my interest and my enjoyment in these. And it doesn't stop me from watching. But boy, oh boy, it seems like the NHL has this great thing going and they've always got to throw one fly into the ointment to get us chatting about what they're doing wrong. Don Robertson joins me now. We missed Don on Monday because of Easter. Don's usually here, but we bring him in now. Don, thanks for doing this tonight. Glad to be here. Tell you what's making me crazy, Don. I don't know if it's making bothering you or not either, but it seems as though 50% of the goals that are scored in the Stanley Cup playoffs this spring end up with the referees standing over by the penalty box wearing headphones, looking at an iPad, trying to decide if somebody was half a millimeter offside 45 seconds before the goal was scored. When did this happen? How have we gotten to the point now where we are, we continue again to take the game out of the officials' hands and it's down to this kind of stuff? It stops the game, it stops the momentum, it stops the excitement, it does everything to hurt the game in my mind. Well, you, you, you may have taken advantage of privilege of accuracy. I don't think it's half of them and it's not always offsides. But what has happened clearly is the ongoing... Um, desire by the NHL and all sports leagues to say it doesn't matter if we embarrass the referee or anybody else let's make sure we get this right the problem is they're trying to get too many things right and uh it's I you know it's it's annoying um it's happening two or three sometimes four times a night which seems like forever and quite frankly it's a pain in the butt but it's it's for the it's a quest for the truth, and they think they can find it there. And listen, I'm old fashioned. I mean, it is what it is. If you miss one one way in a seven game series, sure as God made little green apples, you'll miss one the other way and let nature take its course. But everybody wants to get it right, and they don't seem to care about momentum and time. So it's, it it can be annoying without question. But we had. What year was it? Was it 98, 99, 97, something in there, 2000? No, it's, all, it's all about Brett Hall's foot in the crease. Well, that's right. And we had the toe-in-the-crease rule once upon a time that made everybody so insanely upset because it was just, it drove everyone to distraction because every single goal you pretty much had to review. And fans couldn't celebrate because you don't know if it was a goal or not. And then the one time that there actually is a foot in the crease is the one time they don't actually apply it, and that's when Brett Hall scored to win the Stanley Cup. And they got rid of it because it drove everyone insane, and yet they seem to have learned nothing because they brought this in now. And Ken Hitchcock, coach of the Dallas Stars that night, played it brilliantly. Sent everybody over the board, throwing their gloves and helmets in the air, and I firmly believe that was maybe the deciding point in the series to as the coach sent them over and everybody's going, well, we can't call it back now. And they called back so many that year, throughout the entire year in the playoffs, and you're right. The one that was blatantly wrong cost Buffalo maybe maybe a Stanley Cup. Who knows? But it certainly ended it. It ended it, for sure. It it was nuts. And now you're right. They're looking at iPads. and I'd like to go back the old-fashioned way, but they're not going to do that. So. Here is the the thing about it that, well, there's a couple things about it. The first one is they have decided in this particular case that offside to the absolute, absolute 
letter of the law, as in half a millimeter offside, if they can determine it, is worthy of taking back a goal. They've decided that that particular rule has to be called exactly to the letter of the law. But you've been an official. You were an official for a long time in hockey. If you were to call everything by that same letter of the law standard, there would be a penalty on every single shift in every single hockey game. So they're choosing what this one thing that they are going to call so strictly and leaving other things to remain sort of at the discretion of the officials. Okay, so I refereed, but we all start off in the same spot and, you know, minor hockey referee, and then you go to the OHA and then you become a linesman and you ask about offsides and you ask about this, what about this, what about that? And the same answer was given every year on an offside. It's like being pregnant. You either are or you aren't. So there is no discretion. It's not a neighborhood play in baseball, you know, where it looks like the second baseman or shortstop dragged his spike near the bag. That one's black and white. The The other ones are up for argument, and uh, if we haven't talked about it, I can tell you the rule. The, the rule in the uh, rule book of hockey for high sticking is any player that carries his stick above the normal height of the shoulders. So that's pretty much four or five guys every shift. So you're right. If they call things to the letter of the law, it's nuts. Well, I've got in front of me right now, and I can't, it's too long. It's almost a full page, page and a half long, but the, the explanation for interference, and I'm just picking one penalty, the penalty for interference, the, the definition of it, Don, literally every shift I could, by the letter of the law, call a penalty five or six times. Every time you do something with a player without the puck to in any way impede oh, yeah. their process, that's a penalty by the definition. But but we don't do that. You and I both know that everybody's very happy with the changing of the rules where you get rid of the hooking and clutching and grabbing and neutral zone. sped the game up tremendously. It's let small guys play in the game again. So, you you know, the broad street bullies and the big lumbering guys, the, uh, the tough guys, they're all gone now. They're replaced by speedsters because now they can fly through the neutral zone. But... In the, and they do that during the regular season, but in the playoffs, and I'm sure as they go on, but you're right, you watch the playoffs, there's more interference, clutching, grabbing. So they're back now to doing it almost the way when I refereed when all they're calling is scoring chances. So if, and they missed one last night in Toronto, um, but they, you know, if you, a defenseman is so fast in the NHL. They slip down and just grab the guy's stick for a split second. Hardly anybody in the building can see it, but it impedes them shooting it. They call those scoring chances, and you can't see them. And that's what really confuses a lot of fans because you're going, so you call that, but did you see what you let go in the corner where this guy knocked the guy down and they're battling for the puck? And, you know, two guys will go in the corner. One guy will knock one guy down before they get to the puck, and they won't call it because the one guy just happened to win the battle. So let me let me throw another one up there though because you here's want to another talk about interference. You kidding me? Here's another one that we have another rule that is even if we're going to leave the penalties out, another rule that is cut and dried. There is no subjectivity, and that is icing. If you shoot the puck from behind your side of the red line and it goes over the goal line, it is icing. End of story. Unless it touches a player on the other team on the way or touches one of your players on the way, and an icing call could be devastating to a team 
late in a shift when you can't take your guys off and near the end of the game, it could lead directly to a goal. There is nothing that says we can go back and review whether or not the guy actually had touch center, if it was called, or whether or not a puck tipped off a stick, or whether the other team can't say we want to go and look at it and make sure he was actually over center. So we're again, what drives me nuts about this offside rule is they've picked one rule and so often now, game after game, we're stopping the game and slowing it down. And it, it, it just seems to me, Don, to be, you're, you either got to go all in and be totally specific and totally letter of the law, which would destroy the game as far as I'm concerned. Or you say, we're going to live with, as long as the refs are, are calling and, and they're right 99.999% of the time, we're going to live with that. We're going to be okay with it. Well, again, it's the fastest game in the world, the hardest game in the world to referee. But you're right. What the NHL have done, they've chosen what they want to be specific on. We don't want any offside goals. If they all of a sudden decide they don't want any goals because of a forecheck on a call that could have been an icing play. And by the way, you must be looking at an old book because if it's shot from the defensive side of the red line down and crosses the other red line, they now have discretion to call it off if they think there could be a collision in the end zone and or a player can get it. There's always been discretion. Yeah, but it still has to get across the goal line. It has to at least be able to reach the goal line. Yes, it does. But then if one guy's in pursuit of another guy, that's almost a Don Cherry rule. So they quit running into guys or tripping guys yep. into the end boards when they're chasing it. So that, that part's discretion. We're, we're in hockey, if there is one, a neighborhood call, it's an icing at center ice, especially during, especially during the regular season. Let me, Maybe not so much in the playoffs, but without question during the regular season. Let me ask you one more about the offside rule, then I'm going to move. Because, again, this thing, it just I, I, it drives me nuts, these playoffs. It's so often. It's like, it really is like the toe in the crease rule once upon a time. If, yep. I, if Don Robertson is coaching the Toronto Maple Leafs, which could happen, um, and the other team scores against you, you have the option to ask for a review to go back and look. And if, in fact, there was someone who was offside you you that goal will be overturned but what because the referee the official the linesman pardon me the linesman blew it even if it was impossible to see he blew it what happens however if don robertson's toronto maple leafs have a two-on-one break they have a scoring opportunity and the linesman blows the whistle because one of the guys was offside and he wasn't, in fact, offside. There's no opportunity for you to turn around then and say, well, we get a benefit from this. See, the, the, the rule doesn't even apply equally both ways. It's only a destructive thing as opposed to a constructive thing. So, understand what I'm saying? I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm just trying to figure out what the question is. <laughs> How do you, why, again, if you can't, if you can't apply a I, rule I, either I way. It. I get it. Like it's a one-sided rule. All we can do is take away we can't add. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You can't put players back in that position and say, I'm going to blow the whistle and you're going to start. So I don't know. It, it, to me, it's, it's just stupid. All right, let's move along here. Wow, um, too much time in your hands. That's a great analogy. I just don't know the answer to it. Well, there's no, there's and nothing I, you could do. there isn't one. There isn't there really is anything one. you could do. Yeah. No, that's a. Interesting analogy. Um, Buffalo Sabres today fired their general manager and fired their coach. And what's really interesting about this is this happened a day after there were reports in Buffalo that Jack Eichel, who is their second-year superstar center, there were reports that he said, I don't like the guy, I don't like the coach, and if you don't get rid of him, I'm not re-signing here when my time comes to come back. 
And he denied this entirely, but interestingly, ironically, very suspiciously, the day after this report came out, that coach and that general manager were fired, which leads me to believe that he absolutely did say it or something to that effect. Is that, you've been around hockey a long, long time, is that great leadership from a young guy who's becoming the voice of the franchise, who is speaking for his teammates, or is that early signs that you've got a guy in your hands who's a coach killer and a problem? Well, there's evidence that that, uh, Sidney Crosby didn't like Belsma. Right, and that might have been part of his demise. Sidney Crosby and Jack Eichel aren't even in the same league, but I brought it up as a comparison. So Jack Eichel's 20 years old. Uh, Terry and Kim Pagula own the franchise. If they are listening to a 20-year-old at this point... Who's accomplished nothing. That's right. They're they're in deep trouble. And the the other interesting... The other interesting part part is like as a twenty as a twenty year old, it was one thing for Eric Lindros to say, "I'm not going to play in Quebec." It's far more damning when you do go somewhere and start dictating who the coach and general manager should be, and if in fact it's myth or legend or rumor, if it whatever it is, Jack Eichel's now put that on himself. That's a tremendous amount of pressure to put on yourself to bring somebody else in. And if it's true, they may as well let him pick the guy. And you know what? The best general manager as a 20-year-old he's ever had may have been his Bantam GM. So he's in a real pickle. Well, if, and- he's bitched, if he's bitched and squawked enough to get, that, uh, to, to get Tim fired... Well, you better back it up with something really special next year. Well, and the reason I even brought this up is because you and a lot of people listening will recall that it was in the um, end-of-season interviews just a week or so ago that Jack Eichel was being interviewed, and he basically called out his veteran teammates by saying there's a lot of guys here who don't really care that much about winning and don't want to do what it takes to win. And so when you follow that up with then, I'm not re-signing if this coach is here, if in fact he said that or something to it, it's, it, it seems to me that it starts to paint a bit of a picture of the guy. Well, he's, you got to walk the walk now. Like, he's in trouble. Like, I mean, it, listen, it, whether it's in the media or not, I can tell you right now that the GM, Tim, uh, uh, what was his name, Murphy? No. Um, the GM, Tim Murray. Tim Murray got gassed, right? You know full well he has been talking to some of the veteran guys and saying, here's what Eichel said on his exit interview to us. That's your teammate. Because if he got Tim, uh, Tim Murray fired, you know he's going to spill the beans on Eichel. Because he got Eichel, or Eichel got him fired too. So there's going to be just a quagmire of problems there. Because even if it's not true, now, I don't know what kind of guy the GM is. But, you know, when you start, uh, when he throws you under the bus, you're not going to be very loyal to him. So when the veteran guys call and say, geez, I'm really sorry to hear about it, and he says, well, you know what, he's throwing you guys under the bus too. Now now he becomes a cancer. And now he becomes a problem across the league because I'll tell you, the hockey community is a very small community when it comes to things like that. And he will become persona non gratis everywhere. Here's the quote. Even if he gets traded. Here's the that kid's, if that's true, he's painted himself 
he's he screwed himself. Here's the quote that he gave the Buffalo News. I think guys want to win, Eichel said, but there's a difference between saying you want to win and actually wanting to win and putting in the work and time, sort of put and putting the work in and dedicating your life to it. That's I mean that's that's very clearly Well, that's under the bus. Yeah. Um, right? That's under the bus. He's killing guys there. That's what a winning culture is, he continued saying. Not being satisfied with yourself, not being satisfied with the fact you're losing. It's important to realize you can't be satisfied with the fact you're in the NHL. I'm, I'm here to win. That, that's, that's a, that's a, that to me, you know, uh, there will be people who, who will be Jack Eichel fans who will say he's being a leader and he is really setting the table and, and making sure that things are... You know, that things are made very clear so that teammates who come back know what's expected of them. I, I don't know how well, I mean, you've been around it more, but I don't know how well that stuff is going to fly. I think that's going to be not oh, well received. He is screwed because it doesn't matter who you are. Every guy, every guy in that room thinks he was talking directly to him. Is that a good right? thing? Is that a good thing? Is that a good challenge? No, no, it's, no it's awful. There, there, there's guys in that room that outwork Eichel. Because they're not as talented. But every guy in that room will go, he's calling me out. Like, they'll take it personally, and then they'll look around and say, he's calling us all out. He has set the bar so high for himself, it's almost unattainable. So have you ever heard Sidney Crosby? Have you ever heard Wayne Gretzky, Messier? Have you ever heard any of the greats in the game ever make such statements? It's ridiculous. The guy has... He doesn't have a humble bone in his body. Well, if those guys said that stuff, and I'm sure they did, but I also would believe that they would have done it behind closed doors privately to the guy and said, listen, time to smarten up. And if you then, and if you respect that player, if you were a guy on the Oilers or on the Rangers or on the Kings and you respected Wayne Gretzky, if in fact he did that and he called you out behind closed doors in a private little one-on-one meeting, you will say, geez, Wayne Gretzky just told me I got to work harder. I got to work harder. But I don't recall ever, I'll be honest, I, I mean, maybe you do, I don't recall Gretzky or Messier or Lafleur or, I mean, go through the list of the great leaders on, in that's hockey. Not what, that's not what they do, Scott. That's why you've never heard it. You don't do that. None of the pros do that. In the old days, if they, they'd maybe yank somebody aside and say, you know what, Scott, if I was coming to you and I happened to be in that elite level, which clearly I wasn't, um, that, you know, Guys like you got to pick it up, or we can't win here. But that's, that's out. Of, but that's out of public view. That's not embarrassing the guy. That's having a beer and wings after the game. You know what, Scott? You got more to give. I'm not playing my best, but if we both pick it up a little bit, that's a far cry from going to the media and saying, you know, I don't know if these guys really want to win. I mean, they might think they want to win, but they're not showing it. We have to do this. I mean, he called every, every guy in that room will think he was talking about him. They'll hate him. It almost sounds to me, honestly, when you listen to the things that have happened just in the last week, it almost sounds to me. Maybe he wants out. Exactly. That he's trying to make it so that they are going, that at some point they're going to have to move him because they go, yeah, you know, it's time to make a change. That he's looking to, to create an escape plan. Yeah, but at least, um, at, at, at least Lindros had the balls to say, I'm not playing, I'm not playing at Sault Ste. Marie, I'm not playing in Quebec City. Nobody liked him for it. Thought, geez, what a bit of an arrogant little snot, isn't he? But the reality is at least he said it. He didn't sneak around. He didn't try and get traded. And the other thing to do is, is well, maybe he did that. Go into the GM and say, I want to get traded. 
GM says, I'm not trading. He goes to the owner and says, I told the GM I want out. The owner says, well, I can fix that. I'll get rid of the GM. Do you want to stay then? <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, Lord that, knows. I mean, if he's, who that, knows? if he's that open, who, yeah, not. We will see. God, Don, got to run, unfortunately. Thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Sorry we missed you Monday. We'll see you next Monday, though. Okay. And remember, I predicted the Leafs wouldn't win a game in this series. Yeah, well, you've been bang on so far. <laughs> Thanks, see Don Robertson. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. I was laughing about this again. I always laugh about this. I find this so funny, and I don't know why I find it funny, because it's actually really more cool than it is funny. I guess it's just because I know the guy, and you do too, that it seems to me to be unusual. And that, But I was, if you go to a ride this summer, if you go to Canada's Wonderland this summer, and you get on a ride, you get on the Mindbuster, you get on Dragonfire, you get on whatever, before you take off, when they lock you in, there will be a recording of a voice. A, a, a disembodied voice will play over the loudspeakers, giving you instructions of what you should do in order to stay alive during your ride and to not lose your belongings. Well, the guy who is that voice is someone you, as I say, you know very well. He has been a Hamilton DJ, radio host voice guy, whatever you want to call it, for ages now. He is, as we speak, he is the morning man on Fresh FM, which is the studio is about four feet from where I'm sitting. Uh, he is Darren Laidman. He joins me now. Darren, how are you tonight? <laughs> you know what? I, I'm. Thank you for that lovely introduction. You know, I'll tell you, Scott, I'm fine. But, you know, uh, just as a little side note, I'm dealing with what I think a lot of Hamilton people may be dealing with tonight. Waterloggedness? Uh, yeah, and for the first time, like we, we felt a little bit like by our front porch in our basement. No, just like a little bit, but because you know. So I just came home. <clears throat> Honestly, I'm so glad I didn't miss your call. I just took a quick boogie over to uh, that little Canadian Tire on uh, on Maine and Victoria there, just to get like a. Uh, uh, an extender from my eaves trough, but holy, there's flooding everywhere tonight. This is nuts. I I, I hate hearing that. We talked about that off the top of the show. Oh, okay, I hate. Okay. I, no, no. I I it's I I'm I hate hearing that people are dealing with that because I've had it before, and there is nothing, nothing, nothing worse than when you get down there and you uh, find water in your basement. Yeah. It's horrible. But anyway. But anyway. Uh, so, you know, we got a couple towels down, no biggie. But uh, yeah, thank you for that that lovely introduction there about the Canada's Wonderland. Well, this so. is this I always find this very cool. And again, I, I just maybe because I know you, a lot of people yeah. know you, they know the voice. But I mean, have you been, you've been doing this forever, right? Yeah, you know, I was out. In, it started when I was working uh, for our company um, out in London for a little while. So and then I've been back. I, I'm going to say I've been doing it probably about eight years. And, um, you know, it's, I think there's a lot of people in, um, you know, in what we do who do, uh, voiceovers. I've had one that's running on, on CH for a long time for, uh, Hamilton limo that, that I did and it, it still runs and, and then people get to recognize you. But the Wonderland one, it, Scott, is, is especially, um, fun. And because once the park opens, my phone will just start going off. <laughs> And like, did you just tell me? I'm like, yeah. And then I get some people who really have fun, and they take a video of themselves, like telling me to shut up. You know, <laughs> and it's it's really really funny. But it's one of those things that I, I, I don't know. Like I said, so many do it, and people make a living doing voiceovers. But it's definitely uh, 
it's definitely a fun one, and it's not lost on me. Just um, I, I don't even know how to say it, Scott. Just how neat it kind of is. Well, and I'm sure there are also people who say, you know what, Darren? There is a guy who does the voice for Canada's yeah. Wonderland who sounds just like you all the time, and it and it starts, and it it, it is really funny. And I try and go like once a year just to just to kind of listen, just to see how it how they come out, and you know, and. But it, it's it's neat, and then you know when I get the scripts to do when the new rides are going to be there and and things like that. But it's it's definitely interesting. To well, do. okay, so so how do you land this? Because and the reason I'm going to say this, and this is probably going to sound insulting, it's not meant to, no. but you you are a guy. I mean, you got a great voice, but you're also a high energy, high personality. You don't have necessarily the deep resonant, you know, announcer oh, voice. Totally. And so how, uh, that's, that to me is kind of what you expect. Almost the, people might know Andy Frost. He used to do the announcing at at Air Canada Centre. That's the guy you would expect would be the dulcet tones to announce this. How did you land this? Well, I'm on a, I'm on a talent roster with many, many other, other people. And I, the only, all I can assume is, is that, you know, they were looking, they had to revamp for whatever reason. And they went in and, and they liked my voice. And, and I have like demos on there of, of different shows that I have done in the past. I did a, I did a, a show called um, Opening Soon that ran on the Fine Living Network <clears throat> in the States. And there was a show here um, called The Surgeons that ran on, um, ran on one, of the, one of the specialty channels. And then it just, they, obviously, it, they just liked it. I don't know how else to say it. They listened, probably listened to a bunch, and they just liked mine. And uh, I remember the first session that I did, um, I actually had my wife with me because we had to do the entire park over. So I had like about 25 sheets of everything. So now when I get it, um, you know, I get a script of any updates that they have, and I've been doing it so long, I, I, I guess it just works. And, and uh, they obviously like what I do because there's not really any back and forth. They send it, and I send it to them, and I, I have a little studio here at home. And um, it just happens. So give, me, give us a little taste. If, you were, if I was getting on the, uh, the mighty Canadian Mindbuster today, it's going to sound like what? Welcome to Mindbuster. Please, uh, you know, I, I can't remember it exactly, <laughs> but uh, but I'll, I'll just kind of, I might mishmash it. Sure, no problem. So it'd be like, welcome to whatever. Please move to the complete left of the car to make sure that all seats are filled in. Uh, Please make sure that all your belongings are in the storage bin provided. Canada's Wonderland is not responsible for articles that are left behind. Please pull down your harness and make sure it's it's fastened tightly. If your belt does, and so that's just yeah, sure it goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. No, is I mean, there is there a lot of work you were saying about the and you know this is this is a cool thing that you have because so many people people listening they will go to Wonderland this summer or they'll go with their kids or they'll go with their grandkids and they'll and now they're going to go oh I know who that is but is there a lot of is there a lot of voice work out there Uh, because it seems to me that not only with commercials and TV and stuff like that but with technology now there's so many cars have voices now that talk to you and other things and phones and everything it seems like there would be more opportunities for people who are good at this. 
Yeah, and and the problem is, uh, I think the challenge is, and this has got nothing to do with anything that we talked about, Wonderland or The Voice. This, this is totally separate. Um, you know what it is? It's just, it's like, I'm going to say, not just people who do voiceover, but other industries. And the point I'm trying to make is it's become so easy that, easy to do technology-wise, that it's driven the prices down. So like anything where you've got so many people, the supply and demand, it's, it's out of sync. So when you were getting, I don't know, three to $400 for a session or a commercial, well, someone's going to do it for 50 bucks. Yeah, and you can do it probably, I mean, not as well, but you can almost do it on your iPhone now. Well, you know what, that's a a huge thing right now, is just the quality of those. And you can buy a microphone uh, for it. It, it, It's really amazing. I did one, I remember, um, this was about five years ago, give or take, and I did one for um, Cineplex, cineplex cineplex.com, and they were doing their videos. So I just sent a dry read to them, and, and... it was so neat because it was on Hockey Night in Canada, and it ran right before Coach's Corner, before Coach's Corner had a sponsor. Or maybe Cineplex was a sponsor. And, you know, you send it to them, and then when they put it through all of theirs and they add the music and this and that, it's like, holy smokes, I didn't even know that was me. You know? <laughs> I didn't know I sounded that good. You know, well, one, of the, one of the great ones, and, and I, I had to look this up, uh, there is a woman named Susan Bennett. Yeah. who nobody knows that name, but most people know the voice because Susan Bennett somehow became the voice. She is Siri. So if you're on yeah. your phone, uh, and there actually is a real human being, and she apparently you know spent tens of dozens of hours recording everything conceivably possible that you could yeah. say. But yeah, there, there are people, there are, there are these things out there all the time. Now, how many times do you, though, hear a commercial or hear a voice and go, oh yeah, I, I, I recognize that voice all the time yeah all the time like all, all the time I, I i just heard uh you know i, I hear uh, my friend leah was doing something um for the um, niagara um food and drink show i heard her on channel 11 um a, a guy used to work with darren um he voice you just you just hear voice you just know them you know what i mean you just you just know and you, you get used to hearing people, and it's, it's kind of funny. My uh, old buddy of mine, Mark LaPointe, is the voice of um, the, the Food Network, you know. Uh, my partner, uh, Colleen Rushoma on Fresh FM, she's the voice of, you know, Food Factory. When you, when you watch that, that's like a guilty pleasure show for a lot of people. She's the female voice on that. So it, it's interesting just how many people are doing it. Well, let, let's try this a little bit, because there are so many famous people doing this, and people hear these commercials all the time, yeah. and they go, I know that voice. Let's try a few of these. I'm going to play a couple commercials. You're going to tell me who the celebrity is okay. who's on here. Now, the first one, i got to believe, the first one is super easy. Everybody listening will be able to yell at their phone or their radio immediately and say who this is. See if you can tell me who this is. Okay. It's pretty amazing how one click of a mouse make you move. Now you know who that is, right, Darren? Well, they don't get any better than Get Busy Living or Get Busy Dying. I mean, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, exactly. That's exactly, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, see, I always know Morgan Freeman from Electric Company. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Morgan Freeman was super easy. That one, that one was a giveaway just to get us warmed up here. All right, All number right. two. This also huge, well, huge. I don't know, huge celebrity for sure. Actor on one of the funniest TV shows I think ever made. For a while, was married to another very, very funny comedian. Just to give you a few hints here, see if you can get this voice. The Sierra Crew Cab doesn't just offer more horsepower, more towing more payload, and more torque than Ram or Tundra. Sierra offers a locking rear differential. Any idea who that is? You know what? You're stumping me. Did you ever watch Arrested Development? I did not. All right. No. Will Arnett. Remember? That's Will Arnett. That is Will Arnett. And if you hear it again, Luke, is that one still up, Luke? No, he got rid of it. Okay. That's a, and that's Amy, Pol- Amy Poehler's accent. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, Will Arnett. All right, number three. This one, one of the world's biggest celebrities, but I'm going to be interested to see if you can put, because this is the hard part, is putting the voice the voice yeah. to the face. Here is one of the world's biggest celebrities doing a commercial for Budweiser. See if you can get this one. This is the famous Budweiser beer. We know of no brand produced by any other brewer which costs so much to brew and age. Our exclusive... All right. Who do you think, Darren? You know what? I got it. Just, just, just uh, give me the first initial. G of oh, the first George name. Clooney. George, George Clooney. Clooney. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's, it's so hard to do it, but yes, yeah. you're right. All right. Here we go. I got a couple more. This okay. one, again, really easy. You've heard this commercial a million times, by the way, I know. Um, comedian... Not as popular today as he was a few years ago, but let's see if you can get this guy. The perfect summer has a voice. If we listen close enough, we can hear it. It whispers, one more game, one more swim, one more round. Any idea who that is? That's Tim Allen. You're bang on with that one. So you're going to... Go ahead. That was a great campaign. That was for the city of Detroit. Yeah, for, oh, for Michigan. I think for the whole state Michigan, of Michigan. But yeah, you're Michigan. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great campaign. Yeah. All right. You've already, I think, passed, but we've got a couple more here. Let's see if you can get okay. these. They get. I think they get progressively harder, okay. which may or may not be a good thing. All right. Here, again, another comedian, uh, not do, well, kind of doing a funny one, but not really, sort of out of his element. Here he is. See if you can get this one. So you thought blackberries were all business. Well, that's right. They're only for important business people who do important business things during important business meetings. Um, we're 100%. Any idea who that is? I, that one you got me. I don't have any idea. Did you ever watch The Office? Was that Rain? That was not Dwight. That was Jim. That is John Krasinski. Oh. And Office still one of my favorite shows ever. Yep. All right. Two more here, and then we're going to let you off the hook. But you're doing very well. Okay. This one, this one, I think is going to be the hardest one of the bunch. Although one of the one of the uh, an actor who has been around forever, and I'll give you a hint. He's probably in his sixties now, and is in one of the biggest cult classic movies of all time, which you'll get as soon as we finish with this one. Here, here is uh, here's number six. Inside those headphones is something familiar. A battery. And if you think all batteries are the same, consider this. When even the firefighters have to get out, fire departments all over the world now depend on... The Any idea who that long-haired, you know bearded... It's on the tip of my tongue. It's one of those ones now I can't place it. From the Big Lebowski. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. That's who it was. See, this is exactly what I'm talking about. It drives yeah. you nuts because yeah. you know the voice... 
and you just can't. Okay, last one. And this is our only woman on the list. So this is, uh, I don't know if this makes it easier or harder, but uh, here he is. Last one for Darren. Here is the number seven. It's coming. In the nation, we can't make every annoying thing disappear. But we can eliminate deductibles. Nationwide insurance members who add vanishing deductible... Want to take a stab at that one? Any idea who that is? No, I'm stumped. That is the pretty woman. Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Isn't it hard to do? Oh, my goodness. It is, And these are all people who are massive celebrities. We've heard their voice a million times. It's really hard to do when you can't see the face. or can't. You, but as soon as you say it, you go, ah, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's that the life of voiceovers, you know. Which is exactly why all those people are going to send you emails and text this summer when they go, there is that guy at Wonderland who sounds I, I, just I like know. you, Darren. It's so, it's so funny, and I, it's it's so flattering and so humbling. And you know what the other thing is that's going to drive people nuts? And this is, yeah. this is going to be your fault. Because have yeah. you ever, with just that, if I had played you those and not told you shortly after who it was, you would have been sitting there racking your brain trying to figure out why, who that sounded like that you could recognize. How many people are going to spend their entire day at Canada's Wonderland <laughs> with their brains in full gear trying to think, who is that voice? Why do I know that voice? That voice. Yeah, so true and, and, and definitely so fun all the way. Listen, it's uh, it is a lot of fun. I'm glad you did it again. I when I get there this summer, and I hope I will, I will definitely yeah. be turning to the person behind me and <laughs> saying, "I know that guy. I know that voice." Oh man, Darren uh, Laidman. I, I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you having me on your show. No, it's a lot of fun. And listen, anyone else who's going, remember, if you're still not sure, by the way, and I, there's probably three of you out there who qualify who not, aren't sure who Darren is. Yeah, then that's you know that's almost no one. Uh, wow. Some morning, if if you know if Bill Kelly gets on to a kind of a boring topic or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. switch over to 95.3 Fresh FM for a few minutes. You'll hear Darren on there, and then you go, we'll okay, now I go. We'll, we'll be there tomorrow morning from 5.30 till 9 for sure. Oh, you don't even have to leave that. That's right. You're, you're on not with the same time as Bill. So before yeah, no, Bill, even better. Bill to the punch. Yeah, oh, yeah. Darren Laidman, appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Uh, honored. Thank you so much, Scott. That is, uh, that is a lot of fun. Again, it's one of those things. Uh, I have done this. So many times where there is a voice that you hear somewhere doing a commercial, doing something else, and it drives you nuts. You know who it used to be for me? For the longest time, I think it was Ford. Was it Ford with Kiefer Sutherland who did all the... And for whatever reason, I could not figure out whose voice that was. And every time you hear it, you go, why am I... It drove you nuts. And then finally... It clicks, and you suddenly you, you feel better. Actually, it's like a relief when you can finally figure it out. Well, I just took the took the mystery away for you. If you go to Wonderland this summer, just listen for Darren telling you to keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times, and strap on all your collectibles or whatever it is, so you don't. The Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred AM nine hundred CHML.